Judges chapter 3, but, but we began talking about last week how we see the ups and downs of Israel's spiritual journey with God. We see the highs, the lows, uh, we see, you know, where they're obedient, where they're not obedient, and, and the truth is, what we talked about is every single one of us that are followers of Jesus can relate to that. If we're honest, there are highs and there are our lows in our walk with Jesus. There are, there are good days, there's bad days, we're hot, we're cold. You know, one week we may feel like a super Christian, and the next week we even wonder if we're a Christian at all. Uh, I, I was talking to one of our seasoned adults this past week, and I just straight up asked her, I said, are you sure you're saved? Uh, but, you know, uh, probably the most saved person I know. But, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we wonder, you know. And so I think that through seeing the struggles of Israel, these ups and downs, highs and lows and all these things uh, with Israel, I believe that we can identify with that uh, today as followers of Jesus, that we're going to see in their spiritual struggles we're going to see our spiritual struggles uh, as well. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at a really crazy story from the uh, book of Judges, chapter 3. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did some Bible studies a few years ago on Wednesday nights. I initially prepared this message for teenagers uh, because I knew they would get a big kick out of it. But a few years ago on Wednesday nights, I did a little series, just crazy stories from the Bible. Right, And we went through several of those, and this was one of those stories. And so this is absolutely one of my favorite stories uh, that we find in God's Word. But before we get to the, the, the craziness of all that, I just want to tell you that I, I continually am praying for you. Uh, I covet your prayers for me. Uh, someone just sent me a random message last night said, Hey, once you know I'm praying for you, it means more to me than you would ever know for you to do that. Uh, but I also want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Uh, I'm praying for your families. Uh, and what I'm praying is, is that you won't just be someone who attends church, but you will be someone who is the church, who is totally sold out, surrendered to God, to be faithful and obedient to the call that he's placed on our lives to be followers of Jesus Christ. I pray that you won't just be in attendance, but that God will... Uh, be able to use you to do his work. And so we're going to see a story uh, kind of about that today uh, because I, I believe uh, strongly that we as followers of Jesus underestimate him, number one, but we also underestimate what he wants to do in and through us. And so we underestimate ourselves and the value that we bring to the church, the value that we bring to building the kingdom. Okay, and, and so this morning, uh, as we look at this, this crazy story, uh, there's going to be four questions that we're going to ask ourselves as we go through uh, this story this morning from the book of Judges. The first question is this, that I believe we must ask ourselves, and it's this. What bothers you? Ask yourself, what bothers me? And I want you to be very reflective when you ask yourself that question. What bothers me? And I'm not talking about those superficial things that bother you, like, you know, you know, y'all know what bothers me. I mean, I'm an open book. Uh, you driving in the left-hand lane going too slow bothers me, right? Uh, you not using your blinker and, and turning it on right as you're turning. Why even bother? You know, if you're not going to turn it on, you know, 50 yards ahead or whatever the law is, just don't bother at all, right? Because if you turn it on at the last minute and I've been waiting on you to come by all this time and then you turn, that bothers me, okay? So stop it, 
All right, but I'm not talking about that kind of bothered, all right? Not those things that bother us because there'd be a list, of, uh, you know, as far as I am away from home right now that we could make uh, about those things. But, but I'm talking about what really bothers you on an emotional level, what really bothers you on a spiritual level. Let's take it much deeper than that. What bothers you on a spiritual level that will matter 100 years from now? What is it that bothers you? that will matter 100 years from now. Now, before we start reading our text for today, I just want to real quickly give you the context of what's going on here, especially if you missed last week. It's important. Uh, The nation of Israel has been delivered from captivity of Egypt. Uh, God's delivered them from uh, the, the slavery of Egypt. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They make it to the promised land. Uh, Joshua, you know, brings them in to Canaan land. Uh, They get there, and we learned last week what begins to happen. God blesses them, gives them the promised land, and then the Bible says that they begin to get comfortable. Folks, one of the most dangerous things that we can do as the children of God is to get comfortable with where we're at. All right, and so, but that we see that's what hap- happens here with the nation of Israel. Not only did they get comfortable, but we also see that they began to worship other gods of the people around them. Right? They begin to see what these the things that these other people were doing, the other the things that the other people were enjoying, and they began to follow after those things and worship those gods and began to compromise honestly their beliefs in God by doing that putting other things before God, making other things a priority in their life and in their family other than their relationship with God. And then we saw the result of that. We saw the outcome of that, right? Just a little unbelief can create a huge disaster in your life and and in your family. And so, you know, we learned that God had pity on them, not because they had repented or that they had turned from their ways. God had pity on them just because they were miserable, you know, and they were moaning and groaning, we looked at, and so God had uh, mercy on them, and so we learned that God said, you know, he was going to send them some help, some judges that would come and help them and lead them, you know, thus the book of judges that we're looking at. We're looking at these people that God used uh, uh, to help Israel through their situation. A judge was basically a leader, uh, either a spiritual leader, a political leader that God would raise up to use at a specific time. And the first of these guys, or the first guy that we're going to look at uh, here this morning, his name is Ehud, and his story begins in Judges chapter 3, starting at verse number 12. Judges 3 verse 12 says this, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Here, we're, here we are again, same story, second verse. You know, they're, they're doing things that God, you know, doesn't want them to be doing. They do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over them. Gave him power over Israel. And you need to understand that Eglon was a very evil man. Okay? Uh, the name Eglon means calf or uh, uh, large like uh, cow. All right? So that's important for you to understand a little later on in the service. All right? But that's what his, his name means. Eglon was a very evil man. For 18 years, the Israelites have lived under the oppression of his reign. All right? He had... 
uh, he had basically pillaged, uh, tortured, raped, and murdered Israelites. All right, so the scripture tells us here, the story tells us this goes on for 18 years. Now, I want to stop real quick and say this. As Americans, most of us can't identify with this or relate to this, right? I said that, you know, I believe that we could relate with some of the struggles that Israel had. This is something that you and I absolutely cannot relate to here in the United States, right? We don't know what it's like to live under the opp oppression of someone else for 18 years. Uh, can you imagine an enemy nation coming in and taking control of the United States for 18 years, uh, doing all kinds of evil uh, acts and, and all this. But they endured 18 years of this evil uh, knowing, think about it, knowing that it shouldn't be this way, knowing that it didn't have to be this way, knowing that they were the chosen children of God, and they've been living under this oppression and this evil reign for 18 years. But here's the deal. What, what we see here is in this 18-year time period, yeah, I see the problem. Yeah, it shouldn't be this way. But in that 18 years, nobody was willing to step up and do anything about it. Right? They just all agreed, hey, this is crummy. This is not good. This is not cool. I don't even enjoy watching the news anymore, right? And so for 18 years, this went on. But no one was bothered enough to do anything about it. So let's pick it up at verse 15. And so again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, right? And he gave them a deliverer whose name was Ehud. And then it says something very interesting here. A left-handed man. All right? And so it's important that, that we note that. Anytime you see something like that in Scripture, you need to pay close attention. There's a reason they're telling you he's left-handed. And there's also a reason that they're telling you that he's the son of Jerah, the Benjamite. All right? The Israelites sent him, God's leader that has stepped up, right, with tribute to Eglon, the evil king of Moab. And so this morning, those of you who have, who have heard this message before know I call Ehud, Ehud the left-handed dude, all right? And, and so this morning, we're going to look at the life of Ehud the left-handed dude. And, and here's what I believe happened. For 18 years, Ehud had lived under and experienced the oppression of the enemy. Under this influence of evil. For 18 years, every day, I'm sure Ehud woke up being controlled by the enemy watching his people be abused, watching the women being raped, watching friends, family, and other you know, citizens of the nation being murdered. For 18 years, he had followed their rules. For 18 years, he had followed their laws. And he had done all of this for 18 years, living an oppressed life under the enemy. And you know what? Ehud became bothered by this. It began to bother him at a deep level, emotionally and spiritually. It bothered him. And probably on his way to work one day or wherever it was that he was going that day, he probably said, you know what? This isn't right. This should not be this way. This has got to change. You know, and, and he's, he's sitting here thinking, we are the children of God. We're the chosen people of God. It should not be this way. We're in slavery and bondage to these pagans who don't even know God, who don't even believe God, who don't even worship God. And I'm sure that there was a point 
when Ehud said, somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to do something about this, right? And, and, and we all get that way sometimes. I mean, we're bothered by it just enough to agree somebody needs to do something, right? Somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to be the leader. Somebody needs to come forward and do something to make a difference here. And Ehud was there. And then God, it's almost like, you know, God spoke into Ehud's life like he will do. You know what? That someone is you. That's someone that needs to do something. That's someone that is being bothered by all this the most, that is dealing with this, you know, deep emotions and spiritually. Ehud, that's you. And you know what? Friends, maybe, just maybe, it's time that we start asking God to bother us. Maybe, just maybe, we ought to start praying, God, would you disturb me? Would you bother me? Would you disrupt my schedule? Would you break my heart with the things that break your heart? Maybe that should be our prayer, that he would break our hearts with the things going on in our world that, that, that's breaking his heart today. And, and, and you may think I'm nuts, but maybe we should stop praying for peace and start praying for God to bother us. Disturb us. Interrupt our routine. Interrupt our busy schedule. Interrupt our day-to-day -day act, activities. Maybe that's the prayer that we need to be praying today because sometimes we can't be obedient to what God wants us to do until we let God bother us at the deepest levels. And it's when we allow God to bother us that when we, we understand and realize that God is wanting to use us uh, in that. And, and can I just tell you what that doesn't look like this morning? Uh, I, I see this a lot. And, and so I'm just going to say it because that's who I am. If something bothers you and you pick up the phone and you call the church office or you call me because you got my cell phone number from somebody else that didn't have permission to give it to you <clears throat> and you say, you know, pastor, staff, Daniel, Hunter, Carla, whoever, Shelly, this has really been bothering me and I think the church ought to do something about this. All right, and then you hang up. What have you just done? You've washed your hands of it at that point, right? I mean, I was bothered by it, but now I've handed that sucker off to the church or the pastor because he's supposed to handle all things that bother us, right? And so now I'm free of it. I don't have to carry that burden anymore. I don't have to be bothered by that anymore. All right, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Right? That's, listen, God did not bother you so that you could pass along information. God is bothering you so that he might change you. God is bothering you because maybe, just maybe, you're the only one that can step up and be successful in this situation. You may be the only one that has the talents, the ability, the education, whatever it may be. You may be the only one. The reason God's bothering you with that is because God wants to change you. Right? Not to pass along information, but to begin a transformation uh, in your life. And so we need to be careful uh, about that. That what breaks his heart will break our hearts. And so then we can be, actually be, his hands and feet to serve him and do what he's asking us to do where we live. So, what bothers you? 
What is it that bothers you? And that brings us to our second question this morning is this. How are you gifted? How am I gifted? All of us love gifts, right? All of us love opening gifts. I've never met anybody that on Christmas morning said, no, nah, I think I'll pass, you know? We, we love to open gifts. I love to watch people open gifts. I always like to go last at, at, at our house because I enjoy so much more watching people open gifts, but I'm going to get mine before it's all said and done. I know that, right? But we love gifts, you know? We, we, when we receive a gift with our name on it, we can't hardly wait to open it to see what it is. So let me ask you this morning, what is your spiritual gift? And have you opened it? And are you using it? What is your spiritual gift? Because here's the deal. The Bible is crystal clear about this. If you're a follower of Jesus, every single one of you have received at least a spiritual gift. At least one. The Bible is very clear that we all have received and been, and been given a gift from God. And if the creator, I want you to think about this. If the creator of the universe has given you a gift, why would you just hold it and carry it around? If God himself went to the trouble to prepare for you and give you a gift, why would you not open it? And why would you not use it? Right? It makes no sense whatsoever, does it? And we've all received a gift. Number one, the gift of salvation, which there may be some here this morning that have never received the gift of salvation and opened that. And maybe that's the first gift that you need to experience. But then, once we've given our hearts and surrendered our lives to Jesus, we know that we all have been given a, a, a gift. Uh, and, and so, uh, th this is so cool in verse 15. And it may be something that you just you've never even thought of before. Because verse 15 here mentions this, a gift that Ehud, Ehud, yeah, Ehud had, Ehud, Ahud, whatever you want to call him, Ehud the left-handed dude. What was the gift that he had? Very simple. He was left-handed. Yeah. He was left-handed. Some people think that's not a gift. I mean, especially, I've, I've watched left-handed people write, and it's like, they smear their ink all the way. Are any of y'all left-handed? I mean, have you ever thought that your left-handed left people are living in a right-handed world? You know, I, I was thinking about all the things that are right-handed, left-handed people. Help me out. I mean, is, it not a, is your zipper not backwards? Huh? Hello, I see some left-handed people going, yeah, have you ever thought about that? Zippers are made for right-handed people, not left-handed people. So Ehud, it mentions here, is left-handed. All right, now anytime the Bible again mentions something like that, you need to pay close attention because it's there for a reason. And can I point out something that's even more funny about this? Because it goes on to say that in verse 15 that he's from the tribe of Benjamin. This story, seriously, y'all, is included in the Bible as humor. Okay, just so you know, it is meant to be humorous. And so find humor in it. Don't be offended. Uh, so anyway, so it goes on to say that he's of the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin, don't get this. The word Benjamin means son of the right hand. I kid you not. I kid you not. This is actual truth. You can go read a commentary and find this out. It means son of the right hand. So Ehud is a lefty in a tribe of righties. 
Translation, he don't fit in, <laughs> right? He's the odd duck of the family. He, he's the odd one out. And, and once again, we see God using, don't miss this, someone who is unique, someone who is different, someone who doesn't fit in to do what? His work. To make a difference, right? To do His work. To bring Him glory. See, He created Ehud the way He was so that Ehud could be used. And we're going to see that going forward. But for some reason, we seem to think that God needs to use exceptional people that fit a certain pattern, right? Um, you know, that there's a certain way that, that, that you should talk in order for God to be able to use you. There's a certain way that you need to act. There's a certain way that you need to sing. There's a certain type of songs that you need to sing, right? But here's the deal. God actually wants us to be unique. Well, Steve, how do you know that? Because God created every single one of us differently. He created you on purpose that you would be unique and unlike anyone else in the world. Right, I was looking this morning, Dan and Tiffany and the, and the twin girls uh, out there in the lobby, and they look so much alike. I, I took great pride there uh, for so long in, in, in being able to tell them apart, and I could call them by name, but now I have to look at the sticker that they put on them in the nursery to know. But, but, but here's the deal. Even as much as they are alike, even as much as my twin boys are alike that are up here, some people don't know which is which, you know, and they can even, they have these face recognition phones that will only unlock if it's your face. They can open each other's phones because they look so much alike. Right? But as, as much as they are alike, they're so different. Right? Their, their DNA is, is different. Their, their personalities are different. You know, they're just different. And so God created you to be Different to be unique. He wants you to be you. And, and don't miss this, folks. He wants you to embrace the masterpiece that he created. Right? I don't know about y'all, but I look in the mirror and I don't see a masterpiece, right? Now, some of you do. I've seen you because you can't walk by the mirror, mirror out there in the lobby without stopping and admiring the reflection that's coming back at you, right? Some of you think that you're that, you know, you're the real deal. Uh, I'm going to just tell you, when you hit about 50 mark, you get sick of looking in mirrors. All right, because you don't see anything magnificent looking back at you. But I'm telling you, embrace who you are, how you look, and how you've been gifted because God created you that way to be uniquely you. And, and you know what? If you don't fit in, it may be because God doesn't want you to fit in. All right? And God doesn't want you to be normal, so stop trying to be like everybody else and just be who God created you to be. But, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, and some of, the, some of you know this, but uh, it may come as a shock to some of you others, but I'm not your typical uh, stereotype pastor type person. I mean, obviously, I don't have the hair. Uh, I have no hair product that I need whatsoever. Uh, my ties are all out of style. And a funny story one time, some of you have heard this. I actually went to the jail uh, to visit uh, somebody from church. That's not funny. It was kind of funny. But I, and so when you, go to the, when you go to the juvenile jail, they'll let a minister in any time. As long as everything's okay, they'll let you in to see them. So I go to jail one time. 
uh, this young person in there. I was going to stop in, check on them, visit with them. I go up to the jailer, you know, and I said, I'm here to see so-and-so. Uh, I'm a minister. Could I see him? And she looked at me dead serious. She looked at me and she said, I'm going to need to see your identification because you don't look like a preacher. <laughs> Greatest day of my life. Because I can say it, I kid you not, y'all do this. If you're ever at the hospital, go to the hospital and just watch people walk in. You, you can spot the preachers walking in a mile away, right? You can. I throw them all off. So, you know, I'm not your stereotypical uh, preacher, and, and I, I, I get that. But guess what? I'm not going to try to be because God created me the way he created me with the personality I've got, with the quirks I've got, with the one eye that wanders. You know, he created me this way, so we're going with it, all right? I'm going with it till you get tired of it. Uh, but anyway, but he made you the way you are for a reason, too. He made Ehud the way that he is for a reason, too. Look at verse 16. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, about 18 inches long, all right? Double-edged sword, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. You see all the pieces of this puzzle coming together? See, Ehud knew before he came in the presence of this evil king, Eglon, that he was being sent to. He knew that when he would come into the presence of Eglon, that he would basically be checked for weapons, right? And Ehud, being from the right-handed tribe of Benjamin, right, when he came in and they were checking for weapons, where, where would they most likely check for his sword? If he's a right-handed guy, where would they check? His left side, right? They check his left side or check inside his left thigh because right-handed people, that's where they would keep their weapon so they could get to it quickly. Right? So you see what God's done here? See what he's doing? You know, but the left-handed dude, where, where would his sword be? Right? On the right side. Inside his left thigh, under his cloak. Son of the right, tribe of the right hand. But he's left-handed. Never has fit in. Right? But now you see what God's doing here. How God had gifted him to carry out what God needed him to do in this situation. And folks, God has gifted you. God has gifted you. If you're a Christian, you have at least one spiritual gift. And some of you uh, may not know or wonder uh, what your spiritual gift is. And so this morning, I want to help you with that. Just three questions you can ask yourself real quickly this morning about uh, that might help you identify your spiritual gift. The first question is this, what do I enjoy? What is it that you enjoy? Because I've got a newsflash for you this morning. God wants you to enjoy your gift. He wants you to enjoy what you do. He wants you to enjoy serving Him. Right? God doesn't want you to do something that makes you miserable. As His child, He wants you to enjoy serving Him and representing Him. Now, I'm not saying that it will always be fun and it will always be perfect. Paul enjoyed preaching and writing, and it landed him in jail and eventually got him killed, right? And so I'm not saying that when you're serving God and you're using your gifts that you'll never have a bad day. But what I am saying is that there is genuine joy in doing what God created you to do. There's joy in that. Opening the gift and using the gift. There's real joy in using that uh, to serve God. So what do you enjoy doing? Second question is this. What do you do well? What do I do well? And some of you just went nothing. <laughs> All right? 
And and let me just tell you, that's a lie from the devil, right? You, You know what an insult it is to a holy, awesome God that Scripture says over and over and over again that He designed you with a plan and He designed you with a purpose? You know, and so none of us can say that we're no good at anything. Folks, if anybody's telling you that in your ear, if you're hearing that from somewhere else, that you're no good or you're good for nothing, that's a lie from the pits of hell, right? Because that is just the opposite of what God says about you. He says you are His unique, perfect creation, and He made you just the way that you are, and you are good for something like we talked about last week. He began a good work in you, and He's going to see it through until the very end, right? And so, you are good for something. He designed you with purpose, and so none of us can say that we don't have a gift. You do something really good that's useful, To other people, it's a gift. You enjoy something and you do it well. Now, here's the deal, and I'm going to say this. It's important that you can answer both of these questions, right? It's important that you can answer both of them because um, some of you enjoy things, and I don't don't even know how to say this without getting in trouble, but some of you enjoy things that you don't do well, (laughs) okay? Like, have you ever been to a church when someone enjoyed singing, but they didn't do it well? Uh, yeah, some of you have been there. And, they're, and, and they get up and they're like, God laid this on my heart. And I'm like, that cannot be from God, right? <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> and so it's important that... You're good at what you enjoy, all right? You've got to answer both of those questions. And the third one is this. How does this serve others? How does this gift serve others? Your spiritual gift will be something you enjoy. It will be something you do well. And it's been given to you to serve other people. Scripture says that we all are a part. We all are a piece, a part of the body of Jesus Christ. We're all a part. Right, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12 and, and 14, he says, Just as a body, though it's one, it has many parts, but all its many parts form the one body, and so it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of just one part, but it's made up of lots and lots of parts. It's made up of many parts, and every part of the body is important. Don't miss this. Every part is important so that the body would be healthy, right? So that the body would be complete. And, And you know what? Your gift has nothing to do with how great you are, but it has everything to do with how great He is and your role. Your role in that, that He has for you, is to serve as a part of the body, to be a part of the body, to serve the body, to serve others. And here's the reality of it all. If you're not doing your part, the body is not healthy. If you're not doing your part, something's not getting done. And a body that has a part missing is not as effective as it should be and could be. Right? And so this morning, what's your gift? What's your spiritual gift? gift that's important to know as we get to the third question that we 
have to ask ourselves from this story today, and it's this. What opportunities are in front of you? What opportunities are in front of you? This is where the story gets really funny. I, I love this story so much. Th this story is so politically incorrect. It's So I'm just going to read you the Bible. Alright? Because the Bible really says this. Look at verse 17. He presented the tribute to Eglon the king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Remember what I said earlier? The, the, the humor in this is just unbelievable when you really break it down and study. Eglon's name means calf. Alright? So, do you get the humor in this now? He's a very fat man. The fatted calf. And I know that's not politically correct. We don't say fat, even in Greenbrier. I mean, we, we, we say they're big boned, right? Big boned. Women fluffy. Women are fluffy. I am not going to get myself in trouble today, just so you know. Be the first. But here's the deal, folks. The Bible says fat, so we're going with fat. Eglon was a fat man, all right? Verse 18, after Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it, those who had come with him. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, leave us, and they all left. So what's happened here is Eglon has brought this tribute, whatever it was that the nation of Israel had had him represent them and take to King Eglon, right? So they've all left, the ones that came with him. Well, Ehud turns around and goes back because now he's got, you know, he's got all the attendants that were with him headed back home. He turns around and goes back says, Eglon, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got a secret for you. And so Eglon's thinking, you know, must be a message from God. He must, maybe he's going to, you know, be a traitor and give me some information about Israel or whatever, you know. And so, you know, here's the deal. Ehud was bothered. He was emotionally and spiritually bothered. Ehud had been gifted by God, right, left-handed. I'm from the tribe of the son of the right hand. But I'm left-handed. But somehow God is going to use this unique gift for his glory. And when he allowed God to bother him, and when he understood how he was gifted, and that God had created him this way, God then put right in his path, translation here, I'm putting in front of you an opportunity that is so big you can't miss it. Right? fat guy. You can't miss this guy, right? The opportunity is going to be huge. It's, you know? And, and listen, folks, here's the deal. It, it's a funny story. It just is. It, you can't preach from this and it not be funny, because it's funny. But listen, when you allow God to bother you, and you understand that He's gifted you, you don't have to look for opportunities. You don't have to go out searching for them. Because they're in front of you every single day. If you would just be aware that God has given you this gift to use, you will see the opportunities in front of you in order to use your gift. You, you just will. God will put an opportunity in front of you that you can't miss or deny even if you try to ignore it. 
You know, think about it. God's put you in the middle of family. God's put you in the middle of some friends and some opportunities to serve others and minister to other people with the gospel. We talk about it all the time. He put you here right now in this place for a reason. You're in Greenbrier, Arkansas right now. You're starting school this week in that school that you're going to. Or you're teaching in that classroom because God wanted you there. God had a plan for you right there, and there are opportunities in front of your face every single day, and sometimes they're huge and they can't be missed. When you understand that God has gifted you and you've been bothered by the things that are going on, which leads us to the last question this morning that we must ask ourselves, and it's this. Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to take a risk when it comes to these things? When you're bothered... When you understand what your gift is, when the opportunity is staring you right in the face and it's big, are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to trust God with the situation and and take a risk? Look at verse 20. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the hand, this is disgusting, even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed over it. I read this and I hear, I mean, do do you not? I do, I'm sorry, I just do. I just get this picture of it just sucking the whole knife in, and there it was, right? Now, the NIV cleans this up. The NIV version is what we're looking at here this morning. It cleans, this, cleans it up for us. I love the NIV, but it stops where the original Hebrew leaves off <laughs> and uh, some other translations that you may have out there today. But literally, it says this, the dung came out. All right, that's gross. That is a significant point if you keep reading the story. We're not going to get to it this morning, but that will make a whole lot more sense to you as you finish out the story after you get home today. Right? Literally, that's what it says. Some of you are like, I don't think that should be in the Bible. And, you know, I'll let you take that up with God when you get to heaven. If you don't think that should be in there, Uh, the dung came out. Uh, His bowels. Uh, Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Funny story. But sometimes... Honestly, what God puts us in front of, that opportunity that he puts right in our face, it can, it can be messy. Honestly, some of you know what I'm talking about. It, it can be very involved. It can be very messy. You know, it can even, you know, it can even stink. Uh, but here's the deal. Ehud was bothered. All right, he was emotionally spiritually bothered by what's going on around him hello he understood that god had given him a gift he didn't didn't, never really know up until this point what it meant to be left-handed and have access to the king because he was left-handed you know and there was a lot of risk In, in this story ehud was willing to take a risk why because he trusted god He had faith in God. I'm going to say he probably didn't have a whole lot of faith in himself. He probably had a lot of doubts. He could have been caught with the sword going in. 
you know, the king, you look at this story, the king could have screamed, and his officers came in and caught him. And I'm sure Ehud probably thought as he was, you know, laying all this plan out and going through it, you know, I could be killed by trying to do this. This could be the last day of my life. And this story is so full of what ifs, right? What if this? What if that? But folks, can I just tell you this morning, just about every decision that we make is full of what ifs. You know, what ifs? But don't miss this. In this story, in your story, God wants you to hear and wants you to know. He will take care of the what ifs. If it's of Him, it's His plan, His gift that He's given you, the opportunity that He has placed in front of you. Yeah, it may look risky. It may look messy. But God will take care of the mess. God will take care of the what-ifs, and he will use it for his glory and his kingdom. And Ehud, this left-handed dude, he was willing to step out in faith and take a risk. Folks, can I just tell you this morning that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just a one-time decision? Don't be mistaken by that. It's not just, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to to be a Christian and ask Him to come into my heart. And that's all that needs to happen. I'm good. I'm good from that point. Right? Don't be misled by that. Because Christianity is not just a decision to be made, but rather it's a lifestyle to be embraced. And it's a lifestyle of trust in God. It's a lifestyle of faith in God. Believing that He is an almighty God, and He will do what He said He will do. And, 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 you know, it's not Jesus, you know what, I will follow you as long as it doesn't affect my time. It's not Jesus, I will follow you as long as it doesn't interrupt my hobbies. Jesus, I'm going to follow you as long as, you know, it doesn't uh, mess with my money. Jesus, I'll be willing to follow you as long as you don't ask me to take any risk. It's not that. It's not those things. It's I will follow you because I believe in you. I have faith in you that you're going to be with me. You're going to guide me and you're going to help me. That's what a follower of Jesus is. Someone who is walking in faith. And folks, if nothing else we get from this story this morning, it's this. One person can make a difference. We see it all throughout the Bible. We see it all throughout history. One person can make a difference. Ehud did. You know, one man, think about it, was bothered enough. One man was disturbed enough. One man allowed this distraction to begin to eat away at who he was and his life. One man was bothered. One man embraced the gift that God had given him. One man did not deny the opportunity that was placed in front of him. And one man, just one man, was willing to step out in faith and take a risk and say, God, even if I die, I'm going to die serving you. So this morning, What about you? 
Because this morning, I think this story above anything else tells us one thing this morning. You and I have no excuse. We have no excuse. Because I know there's something that's going on around you that bothers you at a very deep level. I know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. I know that God has put opportunities in front of you. So there's no excuse for us not to step out in faith and sometimes take a risk and trust God and believe in Him. What bothers you? What breaks the heart of God that is also breaking your heart today? What opportunities are in front of you and what risks do you need to take? God's called you. God is calling you today to make a difference in this world. So don't you underestimate yourself. Don't you underestimate your God. Student, as you walk in that classroom this week, don't underestimate the power of God at work in your life and what He can do in you and through you in this school year. Teacher, bus driver, secretary, whatever it may be, don't underestimate what God wants to do in your life to use you in the lives of students and those who work around you. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. And God is going to place you when you walk out of here exactly where you need to go and show you the opportunities that only you may be gifted to serve God and do what it is that needs to be done. So this morning, I ask you, what is it for you? And this morning, as we close with the time of prayer together, I invite you to come. But this morning, I want to pray specifically. I know uh, it's a big week. And I would love this morning, instead of everybody coming to the front, because I know it would be a bunch of people. But this morning, if, if you're starting back to school, school's about to start for you this week or the next week, whether it be kindergarten or college, I want to ask you to just stand right there where you're at. I want to ask all of our school uh, employees and teachers, bus drivers, regardless of what you do in, in, at the school district, I just want you to stand right there if you're a teacher or whatever it may be this morning. If you're around some of those people, I would love for you to just gather around them and pray as we pray together because there's a lot of hesitancy and a lot of nervousness sometimes about starting a new school year. But this morning, I just want to pray for these that God has something great planned and in store for their lives. Every single one of you, He does. And so this morning, I want to pray over our students and over our, our faculty and, and teachers this morning. But every single one of us, y'all, every single one of us, not just these students and teachers, every single one of us is going to walk into a world tomorrow where God wants to use us for His glory. Let's pray that we would see those opportunities and be faithful and obedient. If you'd like to come pray, if you'd like to just gather around with those there this morning, pray for them as we pray together this morning as we close. God, again this morning, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to come together. I want to thank you again for your word. Sometimes we read through it and we just think that's odd. But God, everything that you do, everything that you have done, 
is on purpose. We say it time and time again because it's the absolute truth. You created every single one of us on purpose with a purpose. I pray that we would see that. I pray that today we would have enough faith to understand that we were uniquely made to be used in a unique way by you. No matter what it may be, no matter you know where it is that we go, we're there because you sent us. And so I pray that we would be more attentive to what's going on around us. God, I, I do pray that we would be bothered. If we're not bothered today at a deep emotional and spiritual level, God, I pray that you would bother us, that you would disrupt us, you would disrupt our schedule. God, I pray that we would see the things around us that break your heart and that we would then look and see how we could be used with the gifts that we have to make a difference in those areas and in those people's lives and in those situations. So God, I pray that as we leave this place, as we walk out into this world, we don't leave the church. We go and be the church looking for opportunities to serve you and represent you and be the church, to be the body of Christ out there in this world. So God, I thank you for this story today that's a great reminder. It's, it's funny, but it's, boy, it's just full of lessons for us. It's full of faith. It's full of the love of God. And dear God, I don't know how you're using it. I don't know what you're speaking into each person's life but you know and they know and I just pray that we'd all be faithful you'd give us all the courage to do what it is you're calling us to do and asking us to do God I pray for these students as they go to that campus this week or next week or whenever they start or maybe they've already started God, I pray that they would see themselves as they walk onto that campus as a child of the King of Kings. And they would hold their head high knowing that they represent you in their lives, in their words, in their actions, how they carry themselves, how they conduct themselves. And God, I pray that as they walk through those hallways and they walk into those classrooms, that people would look at them and go, there's something different about them and the way that they live and the way that they act and the things that they do and say. And God, they'd be drawn to that because we know when people see you in and through us, they're going to be drawn to you, not to us. And so I pray that for our students, that you would give them a boldness, you would give them courage, you would give them strength to stand up for you, the things that are right, and God, I pray that it'd be a great year for them. It'd be a year of victory, a year of celebration, a year where they could see that you're alive and well on every campus. And God, for these teachers, administrators, bus drivers, faculty, all those that have a part in the education of our children, they're not there by accident. Every role is important. Every role is significant. Thank you for reminding us of that today. And so I pray that each one would see their role in these kids' lives as them being missionaries to these students, 
as they walk onto this campus. It's their mission field filled with students and maybe other faculty and, and employees that just need to see the love of God and experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus in their lives, God. And so I pray that you'd give our teachers a boldness. I pray that you would give them the courage. I pray that you would give them opportunities to represent you and to re represent you well. And God, I pray your hand of protection over them all that you would keep them safe and that Satan would be barred from and banned from those campuses. God, today we're so privileged to be a part of an incredible community that's filled with churches, good people, Christian people that love you and live for you. And I'm thankful and grateful that we have them. So we pray for the other churches up and down this road today that you would move upon them, you would move upon their students, their teachers, their people. God, so that we would walk out of our places of worship today, not divided by our names, but united because we're all children of God. That a great army would be unleashed on this community, on this county, on this state, on this world. God, I pray that we wouldn't underestimate what you want to do. I pray that we wouldn't underestimate what you want to do in us and through us. And so I just pray that you would find us available and that you would find us faithful and you would find us obedient. God, we love you so much and we thank you for loving us enough to trust us with your gospel, to trust us with the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you so much. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen. And before you go this morning, there's going to be a prayer walk over at the Greenbrier campus this afternoon from 2 until 4. Uh, I know some of the schools will be open. Some will just be walking around. Feel free to visit your child's school and pray for them today. God bless.